0: Learn more at marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
1: chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BTW. Root. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. And inevitably, this business of having two podcasts a week, it's already fallen apart. <laughs> uh This is a podcast, uh, but it's not the interview that I was hoping to bring you because I haven't done it yet. Um, and it's no one's fault I was going to interview Scott Donaldson At the Championship League Unfortunately his table just overran massively So our schedules were not aligned However I am going to interview Scott uh, Over the weekend So that will be Monday's podcast So it will still come out um, But you know It's a very common phrase these days i got the big calls right That's what people say When they made a mess of things i got the big calls right And so this is going to be a short podcast uh, To sort of fulfil my promise to the country um, To do two a week Uh with feedback uh, from our big episode this week, the fan special, uh, we had three snooker fans on, Kelly Barker, Brian Dobson and Joe Richards, and they talked about their experiences of attending snooker tournaments. We've had uh, some feedback, and uh, including from World Snooker Tour, so there were a few criticisms made. I like to think they were constructive uh, of the way WST run the tournaments. Um, and the fans, you know, they pay their own money. They're entitled to make these comments, and they suggested uh, some improvements. And and there were complaints as well. Now, I warn you, this uh, this reply I got from them does include an extraordinary pun. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So here's the uh, here's the, the the statement, if you like, from World Snooker Tour. They say we do appreciate feedback from fans, and we do listen to them. Kelly's comment about us not giving a monkeys is a shame because that's not the case at all. We do post-event online surveys at every tournament, which are filled in by thousands of fans. So that gives us a good overview of what people like and dislike. We also work with an industry-leading partner who specialise in the whole area of fan experience, fan data, and the strategy behind events and the location of venues. Obviously, we can't implement every idea suggested by fans, but there's a decision-making process behind everything we do. Thanks to the fans who took part, and anyone can email us at info at WST.TV. Hard to say that again because I made a mess of it. Yeah, can email us at info at WST.TV with feedback. Now, here comes the pun. Particularly to the guy who suggested more Mexican food at Torments. We'll taco that idea on board. Well, we'll, we'll move we'll move past the pun. Um, it's, I appreciate the reply. And I, I did actually mean, I, I know they do these, uh, these surveys, so I, I did, I meant to mention that actually, because I do know that they ask fans to, um, to fill things in, I forgot to mention it. Um, however, I have to say, you know, when they say they take all this feedback on board in terms of location of venues, it's not entirely true, because for example, Brentwood, I know for a fact they get it for free, so that's why they're going to Brentwood, because they're not paying for it. Uh, <laughs> so, it's not entirely true, but, uh, it's equally, it's a valid point worth making that they do have uh, a facility for people to actually give feedback and you know that they, they are hamstrung by certain things and money is is one of them but um anyway i, I thank you for listening to uh to what we said and by the way um uh, it's hit the uh it's hit the youtube streets today if you if you want to watch if you watch myself and, and sam fletcher from will snooker tour walking around a park for 25 minutes talking it's on youtube uh we went we were in leicester and uh sam's a very enthusiastic young man and uh And, yeah, we walk (laughs) walk round the park for half an hour talking about all sorts of things. So that's on YouTube. Uh, Now, the other uh, replies we've had. Adam Fisher. Uh, He's got a few points here. He said, Merchandise merchandise stalls at events are, quite frankly, dull, uninspiring, and must operate at a loss. Who wants an official WST t-shirt or mug, a Jimmy White keyring, or an overpriced snooker rule book? The only merchandise I'd be interested in are books. Why isn't there a snooker bookstall? I often hear of rare books, i.e. Stuart Petman's, that I'd love to get hold of. WST should get the rights to a lot of these books and flog them at all events. Uh, I'm sure they'd sell well amongst the snooker nerds. Book launches at events would go down well. Note that I'm eagerly waiting for someone to write the bestseller Norbrek Adventures. There must be some golden stories that will simply get lost if someone doesn't write them down. Uh, thank you, uh, Adam, for that point. I'm sorry, I'm just distracted because it's... it's the BBC news have flashed up that Boris Johnson is actually going to resign. <laughs> uh, talk about the writing on the wall. Anyway, uh, yeah, the problem with the, the old books is actually a lot of them are just out of print, so actually getting hold of them is difficult. You know, that's why if you go on Amazon, it seems they're either sort of five p or about three hundred quid. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it would be popular if anyone's got a sort of collection of them and they uh, maybe sold them at a tournament, that would be uh, that would be popular. Uh, Adam continues. No mention of the English Open at Barnsley in 2017. What a cheapskate job that was. Pure desperation. I attended a day there and I particularly remember having an awkward stare eyeball to eyeball with the then three-time world champion, Mark Selby. I don't know who was more embarrassed to be there, me or him. He was slumped in a chair, which was way too small for him, in the leisure centre cafe with random local kids running around in armbands causing havoc. Parents screaming, some kids in fancy dress, snooker players in bow ties with cues in hands queuing for jacket potatoes, OAPs shuffling around precariously with trays of coffee and a loud distorted sound system was blasting out Barnsley UPVC window adver- advertisements. If an alien was dropped into this scene, it would certainly have a hard time working out what was going on. To top this off, I remember hearing, I think this was the same event, that Stuart Bingham would spend breaks sleeping in his car. Ronnie wasn't wrong, he said snooker was a car boot sale sport. I'm sure Barnsley made Crawley look like the Albert Hall. Also, it was on this day that the old lady ran laps around the table and Ronnie let her take a shot. I saw this event unfold in real time. Before she got up and ran, she was standing up and down like a yo yo for a good while. This didn't put the players off because there were a lot of distractions and noise during that session, including loud aircon and a man in the front <laughs> and a man in the front that was hooked up to an oxygen mask and cylinder that was pretty loud. Ronnie complained about the latter, and upon learning this was someone's life support system, he instantly apologised to the chap and went about his business as as usual. It was a weird atmosphere, something wasn't right, so it didn't surprise me when she entered the floor. (laughs) What an extraordinary email that is. Well, that's, yeah, that was Barnsley. Um, Again, it's a similar kind of... A lot of complaints have been about these leisure centres, and it seems that... (laughs) Because of all the other things going on that you've described there, it's not always uh, the most sort of comfortable, um, comfortable place to you know go and watch uh, go and watch snooker. Uh, Tommy O'Prey, a few things I'd suggest to improve the game are as follows: have a different. I'll answer these one by one, Tommy. Um, have a different dress code for each tournament. The worlds could remain the same and potentially every final of the Triple Crown events, but varied up a bit. Even a smart shirt or polo shirt, depending on the events, which could be available to the public to buy at the arena. Fashion companies could potentially be interested in sponsorship too. I think I've said before, I'm not that bothered about the dress code. Um, I quite like the smart clothes, and there is evidence that. Um, in places like China and around the world Actually it's one of the selling points of snooker Is the fact that they're wearing these suits A lot of people find th- feel it's old fashioned And things should move on I don't mind a sort of smart shirt So it, it's not something I will get excited about either way But it's uh, it's an idea of course uh, Now uh, Tommy continues Listen to the players WP say need to hear what the players are saying And probably consider implementing changes The pay situation already discussed at length Being top of the list No one should work for free At the very least established A mileage allowance and contribute towards fuel costs, i.e. 40p per mile, multiplied by the distance to event from players' home addresses, along with a basic hotel allowance. The WPSA could do five sponsorships a year, so any player ranked below uh, the top 16 goes into a draw and gets a £10,000 sponsorship. Not exactly a wage, but a definite incentive. I don't agree with that latter point. That would create absolute mayhem if if they gave just five players... Ten grand each, you know. I mean, you can just imagine the the scream ups because it, it it would be literally a lottery. The mileage idea, I think, is actually a good one. Um, I think that is a good a, a, a sort of. It would recognise that not everyone, for example, lives in Leicester. You know, Ben Williston can get to the morning side in ten minutes. Scott Donaldson is going to take him five hours. So that's actually not not a bad idea at all. Um, when you say they listen to the players, the problem is that the players all say different things, usually depending on where they are in the rankings. Uh, so, for example, this mixed doubles event. A lot of lower ranked players who basically just don't understand how broadcasting and the commercial world works say it's a disgrace that there's an event for just eight players well it's it's happening because a broadcaster wants it to happen <laughs> so that's it that's that's end of story the The most important component of a professional sport is the is the uh, the manner in which it's professional and it's professional because it's funded by money, and the money comes from broadcasters number one. Ticket sales and sponsorship as well. They're the three ways that money comes into the sport. So if a broadcaster wants to put money in to show a particular event, then they should show that event. Simple as that. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's a different point. Speaking of doubles, uh, Tommy continues, A random draw doubles event, rather than the standard two players representing the same country, just have a random draw. The winners could also nominate a charity for a small pot of prize money to be awarded to combinations could make interesting viewing. Mark Williams had that idea, and I thought it was a good one, actually. Um, The charity element, I'm not so sure about, really. I mean, if people want to give to charity, they can do that themselves. But uh, the random draw, I quite like that idea. Tommy says, more tournaments in Scotland or in the north of England. I used to go to the shootout every year in Blackpool. Living in the north of Scotland is now just too expensive to travel, and having only one event in Scotland is quite poor. Again, I suppose the problem, Tommy, with that is that you know someone needs to fund these tournaments. It's, it's all very well saying, "Well, let's have three more tournaments in Scotland." Who's going to? Who, which broadcaster is going to show them? Who's going to sponsor them? You know, this is the problem. It's 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 the market, isn't it? Supply and demand. If the demand's there, fine. But the, the evidence is that that, that uh, you know there, there isn't the money in the pot to put more tournaments on at the moment. Uh, now, uh, a competition, WST competition, like a raffle or online draw, the winners get tickets for a big event. Hotel and travel costs covered. Second place, tickets to the Masters or the UK. Third place, entry to a smaller event. Some signed photos could also be prizes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I think I said a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you know, they could do that definitely on their app, which is no good, as we know. But if they relaunch it, you know, every day, why not during tournaments, ticket giveaways, you know, a sense of excitement about, oh, you can come to the tournament. We're doing it on the the, uh, Championship League coverage on free sports. We're giving away... Most days, actually, tickets to the Champion of Champions, you know, and it's a way of just engaging viewers and obviously people are going to be winning tickets and coming along. Uh, Tommy says, I could go on, but I won't. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. It's great to hear you back. Well, thank you, Tommy, and thank you for your uh, thoughts and ideas. And uh, actually, he sent another email here. He says, "He talk, speaking of encounters with players, I feel I need to share mine. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, Stephen Hendry was at the opening of a kitchen shop in Ayr, Scotland, where I lived. I was a young boy and took along my snooker book to be signed. Stephen joked about signing his name on the face of a picture of Steve Davis. I don't recall if he did or not, because sadly that book was lost to a charity shop during a later house move. If anyone has it, I'd love to buy it back. It has some paint on it too, from a wall mural that was done. <laughs> well, if that book, I mean, it's out there somewhere, So someone, someone may know where it is, so if anyone can track it down, uh, do let us know. Uh, Scott McCarter I write, as I'm listening to your fans episode with Kelly, Joe and Brian, can I raise a question about something very specific? The format and promotion of my favourite non-crucible, outside of the Northern Ireland Open, tournament, the Tour Championship. I've no objection to the slot in the season, just before the world suits long matches. It is a good warm-up for Sheffield. But I wish that it would be promoted more as a tournament rather than just the snooker equivalent of Prince Charles at the State Opening of Parliament staring at the Crown, i.e. knowing that the big moment is coming, but not yet. We, we know that the world is the biggest tournament, but the promotion of the tour championship could be enhanced by having an earlier cut-off point, so that the TV and fans have more of an idea which players will make up the field. Is this possible? I also think a return of a best of twenty-five final will be good. Thank you, Scott. Uh, on the point of the final, I I'm not bothered about that. To be honest, I don't mind the best of nineteen, but um, I mean you're leaning against an open door here. That the I've said before, like there's an eight-man event. Now, to me, the Tour Championship, it's a bit like the ATP finals, the WTA finals in tennis. Um, It's a big event for the very elite. I mean, it's the most elite tournament on the circuit. It's the top eight uh, of the season. There is a massive chance to promote that, uh, really, as one of the game's majors. Um, But there isn't time if there's a very narrow window between uh, the tournament in the previous tournament. For example, last year there was one day uh, between Gibraltar, you know, where the field was finally settled and the actual tour championship. Now, looking at the calendar for this season at the moment, uh, there is more of an opportunity because there's a week uh, between the Turkish Masters and the tour championship. I'd like to see, there's only eight players, I'd like to see a media day that week where all eight players go to Hull where the tournament is. It didn't actually have to be Hull, it could be anywhere, but it makes sense to be at the venue. And promote the event. I'm sure ITV, the broadcasters, would like that. I know they've had problems uh, with the the Players Series events, where you know they're trying to obviously prepare for the tournaments. And then, literally, the night before the draw is still being decided by a tournament that's still on. And here's the difference, okay? The BBC, obviously, they show the UK Championship, the Masters, and the World Championship, and the cut off of the Masters. Is at the end of the world champion at the end of the UK championship. They make the draw in the arena. Okay, that will be this season on the twentieth of November. There are two ranking events following that: the Scottish Open and the English Open. That do not count towards the Masters. So the BBC get well, basically six or seven weeks um, to know what the draw is. And there's definite um, benefits to selling tickets if people know specifically who's playing who and when. I get that, but. ITV for the Players' Championship, which is the 20th of February, they won't know the, the confirmed lineup for that until the night before when the Welsh Open concludes in Clandudno. So we're in Clandudno for the Welsh and Wolverhampton for the Players' Championship the next day. And it's impossible to, for example, the TV guides to tell people who's playing when because we won't know, because we won't know the exact draw or who's in that tournament till the night before. So why not have the cut-off for the German Masters, which is... Finishes on the fifth of February. Of course, the answer is because we want all events to count, but they don't count for the Masters. So there's a definite, uh, well, double standard there. Actually, um, one broadcaster gets seven weeks and one gets seven hours. How is that right? It's not. Is the answer? Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you that the Tour Championship should have more promotion. It's interesting though. I mean, I'm not, I don't believe there's three majors. Um, a lot of people do, and that's fine. But the people who do believe there are three majors think there should be a fourth. Um, do Will Snooker win a fourth? Uh, it seems not, because the Tour Championship is an obvious one. And a lot of players will tell you they they regard it as third or even second, um, actually. Players who get in that tournament, because it's such an achievement to get in it, a lot of them say we think this is bigger than the UK Championship. I'm not sure I actually agree with that, but... That's what they say, anyway. Uh, that, so that's Scott has, has touched on something here about scheduling, which is actually very interesting, I think, and I agree with his central point, which is that the tour championship should be definitely built up and promoted and given, uh, you know, it, its full due. And, and there's a, as I say, this year there is actually a chance that could happen because there is a week after the previous event uh, where you know, hopefully, a media day or some sort of promotion will take place. There is one more uh, email. He's from Declan Weston, he's not quite on the same thing, but uh, he says, uh, Quick question around whether there's any update with regards to the Saudi event. It seems odd that nothing's been mentioned, despite the restrictions being minimal over there. Also, do you think Iran is a country where WST would likely look at for hosting, given the success of the same fight? Well, thank you, Declan. Um, The point about... uh, Iran, well, I don't know. I mean, it, the snooker is popular there, but uh, I suspect sort of getting an event on would be um, not straightforward. Uh, in terms of Saudi, yeah, we haven't heard anything. And uh, we'll kind of never know, actually. If the pandemic hadn't happened, would that event have taken place or not? Um, it's gone very quiet, um, and I suspect it probably won't happen. And, and of course, it was, it was um, going to be for half a million... First prize uh, at one point, but um, it seems well, we haven't heard anything about it, so uh, he may come back. But I suspect we probably heard the last of it. Uh, so that's it, it's a short podcast. And uh, as I say, it was supposed to be an interview, that interview will now take place Monday. So you know, the world is uh, is tilted off its axis. But um, keep your thoughts coming. Snooker Scene Podcast at com. that's snooker Scene Podcast at com. and uh, we're part of, part of the Sports Social Network as well, so check out the other podcasts Uh, I did deliver I've made the big big calls, I've got big calls right, whatever it is Uh, and (laughs) a rather shambolic episode comes to an end we'll be back next week and hopefully uh, I'll get a chance to speak to Scott and all the other matters of importance as well will be discussed but for now, goodbye bye
0: Sports Social Podcast Network